Hi, Gavin. Thank you so much for being here with me today. I really appreciate it. So we have, yes, so we have Gavin Barrett here from Barrett and Welsh. So Gavin, why don't you go ahead and introduce yourself a little bit. Tell us a bit about yourself, your company, and you know, a little bit maybe about the history, and then we'll kind of dive, dive in into multicultural marketing in Canada. Sure. Uh, so, yeah, I, uh, I was born in Bombay, now called Mumbai, um, and I lived, was educated there, began my career in advertising there, um, you know, I worked in the two of the biggest agencies in India before I left, uh, at Linters and at Rediffusion, uh, which is the Y&R agency at the time, um, and then I went on to Hong Kong, and I spent six years in Hong Kong. Uh, I worked in uh, the big agencies there, at J. Walter Thompson, at Leo Burnett, uh, and I was, uh, was responsible when I was at Leo Burnett for uh, the Asia-Pacific region as a, as a regional creative director um, with responsibilities for creative work coming out of all the Leo Burnett offices. Um, uh, and we had some good clients and some very exciting clients. Uh, uh, and that was... Um, I was in Hong Kong, and you know, as you can tell, I'm, I'm pretty old. Uh, so you know, that oh was a long gosh. time ago. <laughs> I I left Hong Kong in 1996, which is yeah, you probably were still in school. Uh, uh, and I immigrated to Canada with my wife and kids, and uh, I worked for the big agencies here right off the bat. I, I worked for uh, McLaren McCann, as it was known then, which is McCann Erickson. Uh, and then I worked for Vickers and Benson, which uh, got merged with Arnold. Uh, Havas bought it and merged it with Arnold. It became Arnold Worldwide. I was uh, that was the last uh, uh, sort of job I had working for an agency before I started my own independent. Uh, uh, you know, went out as an independent. Um, so that was. Uh, yeah, I, I was a, and I was VP at Benson. You know, sort of uh, the creative. Uh, my, and my and my experience comes from both the copywriting side uh, as a as a trade in craft. Uh, that's where uh, what I've always practiced as uh, as a writer. And uh, but I also have practiced as an art director, so I actually uh, cross over. And after Vickers and Benson, I went out for a couple of years as an independent consultant. Uh, partnered up with my creative partner, Mike Welsh. Uh, sometimes we, we worked together as a team. Sometimes I worked independently. Uh, and then we launched our agency in 2003. Uh, and we've been around since 2003. We identified that there was an opportunity very quickly uh, that Canadian multicultural advertising was not really being served by uh, well-trained, experienced professionals that had experienced uh, you know, uh, the rigor and discipline of uh, advertising, uh, not in a multicultural sense, but across, you know, in a general or a mainstream sense, a general population sense. Uh, and certainly a lot of the people who are leading multicultural agencies hadn't worked in Canadian agencies. Uh, they had just sort of uh, opened their own multicultural shops. And so there was a there was a gap for clients between what they were experiencing with the multicultural agencies of the time and the kind of agency uh, that we were used to here in Canada. And so we thought, you know, when we've experienced both of these things. We understand both of these things. Let's, uh, let's launch an agency uh, that meets this need, that fills this gap, 
And yes, we haven't looked back. Uh, along the way, one of the things that has happened, I will say, and this has been critical for, for us as an agency, uh, is that we've, uh, we've changed how the industry should be looked at. Uh, uh, you know, we don't believe that multicultural should be looked at as, uh, as ethnic marketing. Uh, it's in fact a little, a little demeaning. Uh, however, uh, we actually think that multicultural marketing truly is uh, advertising, is what advertising should be at its most inclusive. Uh, and in, there are two ways to do that. One is to actually uh, create inclusion or to create, to, to be more representative of the, the Canadian population as a whole in any gen, gen pop advertising by making sure that your, your talent, your casts, you know, uh, reflect uh, Canadian population. And the other way is to actually be more inclusive by serving uh, multicultural communities with messages that are tailored to them. So, because not all products uh, actually deliver uh, messaging that uses insights that are culturally sensitive uh, and culturally relevant. Uh, and that's what we do. So we create inclusion and access to products and services by, by for these communities, for these multicultural communities, by actually providing uh, communications that allow them to access these products and services, these brands. So, so that's sort of the journey overall, and uh, that's my story. Very interesting. Uh, thank you for sharing that. And would you say you were one of the first companies in Toronto to be doing that? Because you know you're you're one of the oldest multicultural companies. I'd imagine it's 20 years now. That's a that's a pretty pretty long time. Yeah, 2003. So yeah, 17. I guess yeah. Uh, 2002 was sort of we sort of started unofficially. Uh, so yeah, it's it's coming on 20 years now. Uh, no, we're not the oldest. Uh, there, there were companies that were founded before we, we, we even began, uh, but most of them have now folded. They've closed shop and, uh, you know, the owners have retired or sold their interests and they've, uh, uh, you know, they have all ridden off into the sunset. Uh, there's a couple that are still around, but most are not, uh, most are newer ones, yes. Got it. Makes sense. And, you know, first, so thanks. Thanks for sharing that. Uh, what a what a beautiful journey. I really, really appreciate it. Also, if you are you able to just from a high level, tell us a little bit about what does multicultural marketing right now look like in Canada? Do you see any challenges and how would you improve it? Just just your perspective on what it looks like and, you know, what do you what do you what, are, what is your opinion on it? And where do you think it needs to, you know, you know, change and where are the opportunities would love your take on it. And after and just along those lines shifted due to COVID because COVID has the whole world turned upside down. There's a lot of changes happening within many, many industries. So with, with that comes changes in communication strategies. So your audiences, your customers, prospects, they know about all of the changes that are happening. So so really from, you know, what what is the multicultural marketing all about in Canada as it stands today? And what about COVID and how is that changing everything? So, Okay, let's let's talk about the multicultural uh, uh, environment in Canada uh, as a whole for a start. Um, uh, before I get to the COVID topic, 
Um, I'd like to say that clients are waking up to uh, multicultural, the need for multicultural. Uh, but unfortunately, that's not the case. Uh, clients are, are very, uh, they're very uh, unaware of some of the key data around why multicultural, uh, an investment in multicultural being and an investment in multicultural advertising specifically um, is critical to their survival as uh, brands. Uh, for a start, Canada is incredibly multicultural. Uh, it, is, it is embodied in Canadian law, the Multicultural Act, uh, which came into, uh, into operation in the very early 80s, where it was first introduced in Parliament in the 70s uh, by Pierre Trudeau, uh, Justin's father, uh, has been around since all the, in all this time, and it has changed the Canadian landscape in terms of demographics. Uh, we have a, a population that is 22% visible minority. Uh, you know, we have, a, which is a very Canadian term. Uh, I don't know if you have viewers from other, other countries, but vi visible minority is a Canadian government phrase for racialized minority, people who are uh, visibly a minority. Um, and uh, with 22% who are visible minorities, about the same percentage who are immigrants, uh, mm -hmm. in fact, in Canada, uh, this is uh, an, 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 an a population of immigrants and visible minorities that is growing rapidly. Uh, if marketers do not change to address this audience, they will basically be out of business by 2031. Yeah. Uh, so. So future-proofing brands uh, to stay current and relevant uh, for the new Canadian uh, consumer. And when I say the new Canadian consumer, I don't mean that in, in the insulting way that uh, marketers and, and government very often uses it because they call people like me new Canadians. I've been here 30 years, sorry, 20, 20 years, and I'm still being called a new Canadian. You know, so I, I guess I'll be a new Canadian until I die in that sense. I certainly will be an immigrant until I die, and I expect to be called an immigrant. I'm very proud to be called an immigrant, but I find the, the term new Canadian slightly offensive. Uh, but speaking to this immigrant visible minority group is going to be critical if businesses are to survive. Uh, and unfortunately, businesses are very slow to wake up to this. Uh, you know, I'm going to, there's a stat that says that in the, over the next 10 years, 70% uh, of the growth in consumer spending in Canada is going to come from Chinese and South Asian consumers. Just those two consumer groups are going to account for 70% of the growth in Canadian consumer spending, which is a ridiculously high amount. And if they're accounting for 70%, they should actually be accounting for 70% of all growth dollars, you know, in terms of market investment, in terms of advertising investment. Right. Any growth, 70% of that growth should be being attributed or being invested in these communities. Um, they account for, uh, seven, uh, you know, visible minorities as a whole account for some $76 billion in annual buying power. That's now, that's not even in the future. $76 billion in annual buying power and just the South Asian and Chinese component of that because of the two largest groups, that's 67 billion, just those two groups out of the 76 billion. So, 
and and then there's you know how much they spend every week you know uh, on 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 you know this this is a consumer of value uh and uh, you know the average uh, the average visible minority uh, consumer spends what uh, i think 20 on a Toronto, the Toronto average, it's 23% higher than the Toronto average. You know, a visible minority uh, household mm -hmm. spending is 23% higher than the Toronto general population average. Should skew accordingly. Yeah. Right. yeah, at the very least, we should be skewing in these percentages higher. You know, uh, and instead, what we're we're seeing is that marketers are making investments in the range of between 10%. Uh, of their uh, total marketing budget uh, or less, 9% of the total market. Uh, when in reality, if you look at it on a national scale, it should be no, uh, no less than 22% at minimum uh, as an investment uh, for marketing budget. And it should be, you know, ideally you should identify your growth budget and, you know, 73% of your growth budget should be going towards these consumers. So. I, I would argue that uh, while we are put, we have changed politically as a as a as a country uh, uh, in terms of our acceptance and our inclusion of minorities, and we're certainly a lot better than the U.S. I believe in this area. Uh, we're long. We have a long way to go with uh, with marketing. Uh, marketing is actually highly undiverse. Advertising, especially, is undiverse. Uh, uh, you know. And, and I think part of the reason is who leads these roles in marketing organizations, who leads these roles in advertising agencies. Uh, and as long as there are, there are very few people who look like us leading, uh, okay. these decisions are not going to be made in the right way. Okay. And businesses are gonna fail. Inherent biases and things like that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, and, and, you know, unfortunately, it's it's this is this isn't you know there's just the pure moral argument for doing the right thing but outside of the moral arguments there are the business arguments you know for doing the uh, the right thing because brands are going to fail they're going to fail by not doing this right um and i uh, you know I'm, <laughs> I'm shocked when i see how poor you know judgment is used on a daily basis for how investments are allocated. Uh, and now COVID-19, something, something really awful has happened now. So, yeah. you know, uh, so let's talk about that for a second. Um, I don't know if there's a specific question you want to ask me about COVID-19 or you would like me to just ramble on. Just ramble uh, on. <laughs> That's <funny. Yeah. laughs> right. yeah, Okay. Well, um, so here's what's going on in COVID-19. I'm just gonna see if I can pull up a stat that I had, uh, I was looking at recently. So give me a second. Uh, you know, one of the things that's going down right now, sorry, give me a sec, uh, where did I go? There we go. Um, is, you know, the world, for, we all know the world has changed. Everyone is using the word unprecedented and then everyone's using the word pivot you know and these these two two words you know marketers are pivoting the industry is pivoting you know uh, the world is pivoting governments are pivoting um yeah if the, this wasn't going to you know very wide or i would swear just now at this moment because it's a lot of 
BS. You know, people aren't actually pivoting in the right ways, in the right places. Uh, there's a lot of uh, there's a lot of performative actions. It's uh, you know, uh, you know, and I, when I say this, I mean this across the board. Uh, you, you see this in in you know human rights areas like. Uh, you know, like the Black Lives Matter movement and so on, where people are, brands are suddenly waking up and being, you know, uh, making all kinds of statements, but they're right. doing jack, you know. Uh, and, and so that, yeah, and, and, that's, and, and that's just an example of the human rights. Uh, but even in COVID-19, uh, there's a lot of talk about being present for the vulnerable, uh, but not a lot of action. So, you know, what I wanted to touch on is, you know, if, if we look at what's going on uh, in COVID-19, uh, there are now, and, and I'm talking about the intersection with multicultural, mm-hmm. um, uh, the, the stats are now out. And in yeah. Ontario, for example, uh, you know, uh, culturally diverse communities, culturally, communities that are more culturally diverse, this is a government study, an Ontario government study, Communities that are more culturally diverse have three times the rate of infection, four times the rate of hospitalization, and twice the death rate of communities that, as the government calls it, are least diverse, by which they mean predominantly Caucasian. In fact, they, they, they clarify. Uh, so in other words, if you live in a community that's predominantly white, uh, then you're probably okay. But if you live in a community that is uh, you know, more culturally diverse, in other words, a community that is filled with visible minorities, uh, you're gonna be, you know, these are the rates, three times the rate of infection, four times the rate of hospitalization, twice the death rate, which is wow. shocking. You know, We've seen something like this in the US as well. Uh, I believe where in the US, the black community has three times the death rate of any other community. Uh, due to COVID-19. So we know that this is an intersection of human rights, uh, justice, and equity, and, uh, and economic, uh, you know, uh, sort of economic and systemic uh, injustice, you know, and racism. Um, so and, and one of the things, uh, and I'm gonna zoom in just on this whole COVID-19 thing a little bit more, Ethno-racial Canadians uh, in Toronto, which is Canada's biggest and most diverse city, uh, in Toronto, 83% of all the COVID-19 cases are people who are associated, are in, who identify themselves as ethno-racial, visibly uh, a visible minority group who are uh, you know, racialized minorities. 83% of the COVID-19 cases in Toronto uh, and interestingly, uh, people like us, South Asians in, in Toronto, uh, we account for uh, about 13% of the city's population, uh, you know, in total. Toronto is a 52% visible minority, of which 13%, which is a large number actually, uh, are South Asians. But if you look at the number of South Asians that have co- get COVID-19 in Toronto, that's 20% of, of all COVID cases. We have kind of 13% of the population, but get 20% of the cases. And that is another interesting stat. Something that's happened is that during this time, uh, certain communities have emerged as more economically vulnerable because of the impacts of COVID-19. And 
marketers who are taking trouble to, uh, you know, who are, who are certainly making declarations and public statements about being committed to serving those who are most vulnerable during this time. If you take a look at what marketers are actually doing and how they're actually serving these communities, you will see that there's very little work being done. Uh, there is not much outreach in, say, the, these are communities that don't speak the official languages. So they're not, they're not uh, at ease with, you know, English and French. They are, they are vulnerable beyond belief. You know, they, they can't understand what the prime minister says in his daily briefings. You know, uh, they can't uh, receive critical life-saving information uh, uh, that the chief medical officer's updates contain because they're delivered in English or French only. They are in a new and unfamiliar country uh, and they feel that they're facing this dramatic and uncertain future now more than they've ever had to feel it before. Uh, because, and then before they always felt it because, you know, their qualifications weren't uh, accepted, you know, uh, they had to get their credentials. Now it's because uh, their offices have closed down because they've been followed. They can't even get a survival job. Even the survival jobs have disappeared and may never come, may never come back. You know, so there's so, such tremendous uncertainty. And, and unfortunately, marketers aren't doing their part. They're saying that they want to do their work, this work of reaching out and supporting vulnerable communities, but there's a complete absence uh, of activity. There's, uh, there's lack of communications uh, that create access uh, to critical services uh, and to critical products. Uh, there's lack of information being distributed to people who need to know everything like and need to be introduced to concepts uh, like social distancing, especially if you come from a look at, you know, we come from India, you know, the very idea of social yeah. distancing, you know, it's like an insult. The idea of personal space, right? I mean, the, in North America, Space is such a big deal in, in South Asia. There's no concept of personal space, you know. So uh, there are cultural there are cultural barriers we have to uh, overcome with communications that are critical and life saving, and yet no work is being done in these areas. Uh, you know, we have we have ridiculous signs in Toronto uh, that tell you to keep the space of three three geese apart. You know, I don't know if you've seen these in the Toronto parks. They they'll show show a human figure and another human figure, and there are three geese in between. And okay. how big is a goose if you're if you're a newcomer? You have no clue. Yeah, right. You know, okay. you have no clue how many geese that means. You know, you should stay. If you if you said to me stay away six feet or two meters, that would at least be useful. And if you said it to me in my language, and I I would get it. But if you tell me to say three geese apart, I don't know what I don't know what you mean, you know. Uh, and uh, another another example I've seen is people saying things like you know one hockey stick length apart, you know, uh, because a Canadian hockey stick is roughly you know that length. Well, guess what? If you say hockey stick Indian, they're not going to think of Canadian ice hockey. They're going to think of field hockey. And a field hockey stick is a very short stick by comparison. <laughs> so just the words being used are ridiculous. So, uh, I, I, yeah, so there's a lot of work to do in, in COVID-19 times uh, in terms of reaching these audiences and serving multicultural communities. Uh, uh, you know, what was a matter of business survival before is a matter of human survival now. Uh, and it is even more a matter of human survival for uh, 
extremely vulnerable racialized communities in Canada, including indigenous communities, I should mention. Mm. Yeah. Interesting, right? So are you now that it's been a couple of months and, you know, I would imagine that the marketers are waking up to the fact that, you know, you need to be doing a lot of advertising irrespective of COVID to keep your brand front and center. Along those lines, I would imagine that even from a multicultural perspective, while there has likely been shifts in communication strategies, I would imagine that they also understand that they need to be, you know, spending or for all of the reasons that you mentioned and be front of the multicultural audience with very specific messaging and very specific uh, targeting tactics and channels. So are you seeing slight shift and improvement than what it was three months ago or, uh, or it's, you know, it's, it's a, a improving, but not as much and more more work needs to be done. And uh, what about reaching out to, P, you know, to the news guys and creating like a PR campaign around it and, you know, things like that. I think, uh, I think, uh... Multicultural marketing and advertising is very much uh, uh, treated the same way as multicultural, multicultural communities are treated in Canada in general, uh, as an afterthought, uh, as an add-on, uh, is if we've got money to spare, then why don't we do this as well, uh, as opposed to uh, as vital, as necessary, as uh, uh, just, uh, which is the way we should be looking at it. Uh, we should be looking at it as vital for our businesses. If our businesses are to survive, we must talk to these communities. We should be looking at it as just because to ignore these communities is to exclude them and to pretend that they aren't there, uh, which is a way of creating invisibility and which is another form of racism. Um, and, you know, because we're discussing this at an industry level or we're discussing this at a society level, this is an example of how systemic racism actually does work by, by imagining that, you know, these communities can fend for themselves or do without uh, and that we'll get to them and we get to them and we'll invest if we have money to spare is to deprioritize them and to treat them uh, inferior or as of, as of less value. Uh, and that is basically another human being of as treating another human being of less value, because these are human beings we are talking about. Um, so, am I seeing things change? Yes. Am I seeing things change enough? No. Uh, why? Because Canadian marketing and Canadian advertising behaves the same way as Canadian society. Um, multicultural Canadians, visible minority Canadians, racialized Canadians, BIPOC you know, black indigenous people of color Canadians are an afterthought. And this is true of real life. And that is because the power and the decision-making authority lies with people who are not BIPOC. Uh, and when our country changes enough, you know, our parliament is doing, <laughs> we, we're getting there in parliament, interestingly enough. It's, uh, we're even getting there in our political parties. You know, we have, uh, you know, we have uh, Jagmeet, uh, you know, who's the head of the NDP, Jagmeet Singh. Uh, we have a new leader of the Green Party, who is a black, 
you know, these are remarkable changes. We have uh, almost direct uh, representation for the South Asian population in the cabinet, you know, as many uh, in, in, in parliament, I believe, as many, uh, it's directly proportional to the total population of South Asians in Canada, which is remarkable. Uh, but when you get down into other power structures, like, you know, people who are in the private sector, as well as in places like cities and city councils, uh, you'll see that it has not yet hit proportionate representation and decision-making is not shared equally uh, or even proportionally. And so we're still suffering the, 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 you know, the end results of that. Interesting. Well, hopefully things get better and like, you know, and, uh, and things change, maybe a campaign around it or something, but uh, either ways, I do, I do appreciate you sharing your thoughts, you know, all, all of your candid thoughts. That's super, super helpful. That's the purpose of it to really, you know, understand you, someone like you, like who spent years within the multicultural marketing and you stuck to it and, you know, you've tried to make a difference. So that's, that's huge. I really, really appreciate your spending your time and, uh, yeah, look, look forward to connecting more on it and learning more on it. Uh, be conscious. Thank you. Yep. Thank you for having me, Angelica. Yeah, for sure. Any any last words? Any any you know any ad advice that you would give to you know uh, marketers uh, around uh, multicultural marketing around COVID? Or I think you've you've said a lot, but do you have any last words that you'd like like to leave? Uh, I I you know so I'm uh, I'm a co-founder with uh, uh, six other people, five other people. Uh, six other people, I think, uh, of, uh, of a group called POCAM, which is the People of Color in Canadian Advertising and Marketing. Mm -hmm. um, and what we're doing is we're advocating for a change in the industry uh, to the power structures in the industry uh, so that there's better representation of people like us in the, in the decision making, mm -hmm. uh, in everything from the allocation of uh, budgets and investments in, you know, media to how, uh, you know, uh, what is the what is the algorithm in the programmatic uh, that you know could perhaps perhaps because human beings program everything at the end of the day, uh, and even if it's AI, someone programmed that AI to start with, uh, and what 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 unconscious biases are embedded in in uh, in everything, and to question those and to change those unconscious biases so that we can see better investments in media that ref reflects, for example, our voices, our faces, our, you know, uh, our cultures uh, and subcultures. Even as we change the culture in which we have, uh, uh, you know, in which we live here in Canada. Nice. So uh, my words to marketers are, uh, we're, we're watching you. We, you know, and we, and we hope you change. <laughs> yeah. Fantastic. Really, really appreciate it. Thank you so much. Look forward to staying in touch. And that was, that was an amazing learning experience for me and just getting insights from you and your take on someone who's, you know, been doing this for 20 years. Huge. Really appreciate it. And, you know, thank you. Even thank if you. a few marketers hear this and change it, I think you would have made a difference. So I hope you. so. I hope so. Yes, hoping. Uh, Fingers crossed. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Take care, Rebecca. Right. Bye bye now.